podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the weekender. Neil Atkinson, Adam Melia, Kev Walsh and Dan Morgan all sitting around talking about Liverpool versus Burnley to start off with, more accurately Burnley versus Liverpool. Then later on we're going to be chatting to Heather Carroll about Liverpool ladies uh, and their derby question marks. Uh, John Anarisa uh, spoke to Josh Sexton. Uh, that, that, that's happened. And I spoke to Jackie McCassie with Lizzie Doyle earlier in the week. And then we're going to have a chat about Bournemouth versus Liverpool. Bournemouth versus Liverpool. But... Burnley won, Liverpool three, Dan Morgan, and Liverpool were not to be denied. This is a football team, you said to me yesterday, it loves laying ghosts to rest. It does. Um, there's enough of body evidence, not only this season, but last season now as well, that you know Burnley is no longer a thing for this Liverpool team. And we've had, we've had those horrible games in years gone by where we've had to look deep into the soul of our, of our football team and wonder whether they've just got enough about them to not have one at a place like Burnley and last night they just they just proved um that they weren't going to allow Burnley to Burnley themselves any more than they did after an hour and I was really 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 happy with that in that Liverpool made changes which ultimately I think helped set the tempo of, of Burnley being Burnley for for the majority of the first half but also it helped set the narrative of the last 30 minutes which basically Basically, let everyone know where they are in the food chain for me. You know, Liverpool Liverpool told Burnley where they are and Burnley got told where Liverpool are by virtue of us going and winning the game emphatically the way we did. We do win emphatically in the end. I mean, the side shows tons and tons of battle, first and foremost, Kev. It shows tons and tons of battle at nil-nil. I mean, it's that was Burnley... I think it's about as aggressive as you can be within, I mean, I'd say at times, outside the laws of the game, but not sufficiently punished by the referee. It was a Burnley who'd been embarrassed when they went to Crystal Palace and gave up lots and lots of shots. The manager publicly called them out after the game. It's worth pointing that out. Then he picked his lads. My point here is that Burnley absolutely, you know, they 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 need, Liverpool needed to stand up and Liverpool did stand up. Yeah, they were as Burnley as they could possibly be, weren't they? Badly. Obviously, every time we played him, he has, he has to put one on somebody just for his previous allegiances. But I think it's the second time in, the, in two games away from home where we've earned our right to play football. Watford was exactly the same for me. I thought it, it, you can go on about quick starts we've had in the past, whereas now it feels a lot like we can feel a game out and we don't have to panic if we haven't scored after half an hour and even if it takes an hour, as it's taken in the last couple of games. We're used to it now and teams can't. Listen, you can throw as many ridiculous challenges as they want. So, to be fair to Burnley, not necessarily ridiculous, but just heavy and committed. But you're not going to knock this Liverpool team up at stride like that because they're, they're a team of battlers and there's not a battler amongst them. And that's including the people who've come in. The likes of the I thought, done okay. Sturridge is not normally one for the battle. Moreno as well. Listen, they're all players playing if for a team which is greater than some of its parts so yeah, they're not, they're not going to struggle with that anymore I don't think I thought um, I thought the manager did did it no perfect to be honest um, uh, I think I think when we met last week Neil we were saying about what, what are the two midfields you'd, you'd do and I think I was saying for B, if I was doing Fabinho and Kaita for one or the other I was saying Fabinho for Everton and Kaita for, for, for Burnley and I think that that was the right decision and I think um, the players 
so the, the reason I'm sort of saying that is because during the game I didn't necessarily think that they, they were always the right decisions. I did. I was fine with the selection itself. I was interested to wonder whether whether Lovren would have played if he didn't have one of his myster- mysterious uh, one ailments. gamers. Yeah. His, yeah. They, I think they're becoming. They started a joke, but I think they might be becoming more regular. To be honest, it is worrying, really, isn't it? Do without them now. Yeah, we really could. Um, but. Because uh, and, and, I was thinking, I didn't necessarily want to see Moreno and Lovren next to each other. It feels like they always get dropped in at the same time, and it's a bit like I was feeling like it's a bit unfair on Moreno to always be be with with the stiffs kind of thing because I think he can offer something, but he gets taken off at the right time, and that's so. so uh, I wasn't expecting Milner to go left back. I don't know when the last time that happened was, so it, it uh, solidifies us at the right time. But yes, yeah, so what I was going to say was during the game, I didn't always agree with what was what was happening. So, for instance, I didn't think I thought Sturridge was coming off because I didn't think he'd, he'd he'd been very good up to then. But then he stays on and he's brilliant. By the by, you know by the end of the game, he's really really good. Um, and 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 so in terms of in terms of the, the, who who he picks and then the decisions made throughout the game, you know to sort of weight it towards the the finish of our game, you know expecting Burnley to to have a big hour and then tire. Uh, I think that was that was huge. The fact that we kind of grew and grew into the game and and then and then brought on the the, the cavalry kind of thing. Um, the fact that we've managed to to ride to weather the storm of losing one of our kind of top three players this this season in Joe Gomez and, and for it to I mean for anything if anything we look better with, with Trent and I'm not sure about I, I, I'd stop doing Gomez at full back anyway I don't know how long he's out for but I'd stop doing that anyway um, so yeah the, but the fact that we were able to come through that completely unruffled and, and keep growing into the game uh, against the, the the best Burnley have played all season I'm sure um, is was, was absolute credit the best Burnley have played all season. I think that's that's arguably the case. Uh, it could be, um, Kev. I th- I felt it was the best we moved through the pitch all season. I'm not going to say quite the best we played. We were terrific against Paddy Saint-Germain at Anfield. You know, we were very very good at Tottenham in terms of a performance that in years gone by might have become a four nil five nil, but it didn't on the day. But I thought the way we moved through the pitch was terrific, and I think central to that was Kaiser. Yeah, definitely. He's the, he's exactly what we've been saying all season that we needed the link between midfield and attack and he wasn't even playing that far forwards yesterday he was probably the first forward of the midfielders but he was getting most of his work done in the centre of the pitch and the thing with him is he receives the ball and his first thought is always can I move forward can I turn forward and it's not even necessarily pass forward with him he's got he's got it very much in his locker that he, he doesn't mind to take a touch and run with it himself he did some lovely turns didn't he <coughs> he dropped the shoulder on that, me that at one <laughs> yeah I never fell off the couch at one of them but that's exactly what we've been missing that little feint and that little bit of confidence to it doesn't always have to be hopped off straight away to the, play, the way you're looking which listen that, that's where most of our success has come from recently, recent seasons is one touch passing like that but when that's not necessarily working and especially against a team like Burnley where you can rely on them to maybe just leave a gap a little bit too big or take, move, make a move a step too short if you've got a player who's on the ball and can spot that I think that's that's perfect and that's what works for us but I think the fact that he has up front will and runners so they're all, obviously the, the main the main men are all will and runners but you put a Regan in there you put Shaqiri in there Sturridge to a lesser extent he's more there to link it up but I think he always had an option, and obviously the key to that even yesterday is our fullbacks, and they weren't even the first choice fullbacks. But it was still that with and in the middle of the pitch being able to make use of it, that was perfect for us. The second halves down of Henderson and Milner are 
very, very good indeed. I think that they're impressive in different ways. Um, it felt like the second half, Kaita made complete sense to Henderson. Uh, Henderson made complete sense to Kaita. I think it's, it looked like quite a nice little dovetailing in there as well. Um, but Kaita was head and shoulders, just looked for me for across the 90 minutes, the best outfield player on the pitch. Yeah, I think it was his best game for us up to now. Um, I think, as Adam and Kev say, I think that the ability to just turn his body one way to the other and, and you know, at times he looked like he was almost gliding through that final third of the pitch and you know I said when, when he was at Leipzig he reminded me of, of, of Gascoigne in a way that he was tiptoes he was just going past players at his own pace but still at the pace that was required during the game um, and I think he, he caused them unlimited amounts of trouble and I think what's interesting about him is that you know I don't think there's enough of a body of evidence of him yet in this league for, you know, people coming up against Liverpool analysts, scouts of the world to go, here's what you do for him. I think there's a massive element of the unknown about him still. And I think his impact on, on this side as well can't be, I don't think it can be gauged by opposition just yet. So that's really encouraging. That's, that's, that's an element of, of, you know, the chaos that, that Klopp likes to, to ensue in games sometimes that, that we can obviously use to our advantage going forward. So, I think I think the second half, Milner and Henderson are really good. You know, we forget sometimes just how good Milner was at, at left back in sixteen, seventeen, and and when he filled in there yesterday, I thought he was excellent. And I think I think the shape in both halves really interesting. I think I mean, if I'm Dice and I get that team sheet of ours, I'm thinking, what's going on here? Like, how how where am I? Where do we start with this? Um, and then similarly, you know, that that obviously has a a play in the first half, but second half, I said to you in the ground, Neil, you know, at times we looked a two, a very loose three, and then a do whatever you want. And I think that comes down to the substitutions and the manager showing massive balls the way he did in making those subs. But I think it's also that that thing of, well, you just make this, you just make this a mad game. And you think he backed himself to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought, as I say, I thought I thought it was going to be Sturridge and Shakiri that came off when I knew it was Salah and, and, and Firmino coming on. Um, and the fa- the fact that it isn't, I mean, I'm still not 100 percent sure, formation wise, what what we what 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 you'd say we were doing when when we had had the ball towards the end. I don't know who the third midfielder really was, kind of thing. Was, yeah, um, it just suited a lot of players like Sturridge. Well, Sturridge and Firmino were standing next to each other in midfield mm-hmm. at times, but it was fine. You know, Shakiri was still dropping in. Um, so I, I, I mean, the Kater thing you were you were saying that the chaos is is is, is a it's it's kind of a good a good word, and there was times where he was almost you know when you know when Manny's kind of on the edge of of control and it wasn't exactly the same because I thought Cater never looked like he was gonna he was gonna lose it it was always but he, it's kind of like he's touching it with the very end of his toe even yeah. the shot it, it's it's almost a toe he, he leathers it it's I, I, I don't know when the last time I saw a shot like that was it's almost like he hits it late on purpose yeah um but I mean it was a functioning midfield and this is this is the thing where we, we've kind of when we've when we've talked about Kind of, if we've looked a bit lumpy, or we've huffed and puffed, or we've you know we've kind of bypassed it, and 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 we've talked about things clicking. I think that that was the the most the, the midfield where everybody felt seemed look seemed to look like they knew their 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 jobs um, as, as as well as I've seen. I mean, the first half midfield that was that you know that this is this is kind of pre pre substitutions as they were as they were growing into the game. I thought that obviously we weren't playing the best, but the best area in the pitch was probably the midfield for us, which is quite which is quite unusual this season. Um, and you know, I think they they. 
they didn't they didn't make a make a ton of, of chances. I also thought, think there's a, a honourable mention for um, the offside trap because yeah. we're we're catching we're catching teams offside that, a lot. That one, this that one where Barnes scored, that was it was the only one that nearly broke. Yeah. It was a region. You can give that down to a lack of playing time. The rest of them because it's it's such a brave high yeah. line to hold, but they held it to a man and it I was perfect. Did, I don't know whether you were watching it with Ian Dowie commentating on on whatever you watched it on any, anyone, but um, he, he he was he was talking he was complimenting the offside trap and saying that it's it's not only brave but it's energetic they're not just walking back to catch them off they're sprinting each time and they're all doing it at the same time and the fact that they've done that with Matip dropped in there you know even though I, I, I don't think he's necessarily the best and he wasn't our best player but he's part of that he's part of that 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 offside trap that's that's just catching people out well, the offside trap was literally it's got, to, it's got to be the whole team hasn't yeah. it you know I mean Matip has probably got a better understanding as a centre half but the midfields and attackers have yeah. got to be because if, it only takes one person to do that and that's, that's credit to Klopp that yeah. even the players who come in near five and six changes all at the perfect time, the perfect line, yeah. and the, the perfect understanding of when to do it. Um, mentioned the difference between the midfield, the attack, the defence of the game more on, Dan. Uh, Daniel Sturridge is 90. Um, he was a non-entity at times first half. Uh, second half, he was Pablo Amar in his pomp. I think there's, yeah, but I think there's something, you know, as Adam referenced before about Moreno, you, you get the feeling with some of these lads on the periphery, they're just like, can you play me with the boss lads, please? Yeah. Can I just have a go with these? Because, you know... You just, get to, you just get to do all the great stuff every week, but every, every time I get through in them with other players who are cold, and I think that's where I feel a little bit sorry for them, is that they never... Players like Sturridge, more so the likes of Moreno. It's some second half from Sturridge. It's, it's some second You can't half, leave him yeah. isolated, can you? Because it, make, it makes him look slow. You can see there's one player marking him, he's out on the wi- out on wide, and, and before he's had a chance to really do anything, another one's caught him up. And they, they, He does his best work now in, in spaces that have been created by the good players, and yeah, that's the yeah. key, isn't it? And if you've got players who are, as you, as you said, Dan, are cold coming in, then he, he, they're not making the moves that he knows the other... So if you've got... Uh, Salah and Mane around storage, they're going to be making moves which have the defenders up the wall and gives him the half a yard he needs. Whereas, as you say, if he's on his own or if he's with someone who else is cold, it doesn't work for him. I think he also needs runners, Dan. Not runners in terms of making space for, for him. I think he needs runners in terms of, you'll make his own half a yard, but he then needs to have a, a ball. He needs to have a bit to be able to go, right, I've made me half yards. I can't make another one. I haven't got another one I can make, but if you give me a run, I'll release it, I'll put you in. Yeah, I think he almost, he almost finds it difficult the more structured we are. You know, when we're when we're in our shape, I and mean, you know we're, we're quite rigid. I think he he really he really struggles to find that 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 movement that he needs, or you know he almost needs to be released by the other players around him. And I think you see that when the subs come on, you can imagine there's there's a word from the bench and just saying just drop in lads and do do whatever you feel in in terms of space in the final third. And I thought his his touch as the game went on was unbelievable. You know, it's half ten. When he receives the ball, when he's in that, when he's in that that frame of mind, I think he's he's something else still as a footballer. It's it's a shame that you know we are where we are with him physically, but he can still give a lot. And and I think I think he's accepting that now as well, which is which is a really good thing. Next little one is that cutting goal. Um, the best outfield player, so Kev, may well have been Allison, but I'll, sorry, may well have been Kite, may well have been head and shoulders above everybody else. But that cutting goal is uh, is quite something. Allison would be the best outfield player if you went out as well. He's just that type of fella, isn't he? I absolutely like you, mate. Him. When you play five sides, well, you, you've played with me a lot, Neil. So you do know the score, of course. <laughs> he's got better air than me, though. <laughs> now, but the thing with him is, he's another. He's another reason why the players in front of him filled with confidence and allowing them to play their own games but that save he made just before the third goal seeing the picture of it back and it's a you question whether he gets the touch on it it's a vital touch and he makes the difference between 2-2 and 3-1 and that's six, for me that's six points he's gained well 
four points minimum, probably six points in the last two games. When we've been used to having goalkeepers who literally will not save you a point across the course of a season, he saved us that many in a week against Everton. He was absolutely excellent. That save at the feet of Walcott, where he come out as far as footwear. He did about an hour and a half in that on that in the, in the Stanley. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, I was so made up with it. His footwork was perfect. His timing was perfect. He's just not. He's he's the perfect goalkeeper for me at the moment. And then yesterday, I was obviously with the. He, it's the after the save. He then goes and claims that ball. Even I was watching it with my half fella, and he said, "Just keep hold of it there." And I said, "He won't." And straight away he releases. Us. And see, he has an idea. You know, but that's because he thinks yeah. like an outfield player. He's that good of a player. I've, I mean, the last two games in injury time, I think he's been massive. And I think in the derby, there's there's that bit of a scuffle at the Annie Road end, and he just gets everyone away. And and that type of that type of leadership, as well as going setting the free kick up for Trent to carry the ball twenty yards, and then you, you counter in yesterday. I think the biggest compliment I can give him is that he looks like he turns up to Burnley away for the last five years. And I think we're all forgetting these grounds are all very new to him. All these experiences are new to him. And we've seen that that influence players in the past, especially goalkeepers. But he looks like he's done Burnley away That's a great point. F- for 10 years. The, the only thing that... Uh, and it annoys me sometimes how the... Um the telly and the and, and mainstream media sound like a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> um, are slow to catch up to, to this sort of thing because I feel like I was I, I was waiting for, for for the coverage that he's basically got in the last couple of weeks from the Anfield rap. I, I'm, I've been waiting for that from from the telly, and we're probably not too far away from it now. I, I think that, that, that there will be he's going to be he's going to have a big feature on Match of the Day shortly, and then everyone will be on to how how good he is. He but, might get ten minutes before Bournemouth on Sky. Yeah, I'll give Match of the Day. He did give him a plug yesterday. Did they? Yeah, I, I, did. I, I didn't watch it yesterday actually, but yeah, I mean, he's it, it, the other thing apart from the fact that they, they they don't give him that sort of feature feature length bit is the sort of commentary where they're like saying smart save or like for the one uh, the one you're talking. Talking about it yesterday, um, Kev, where he t- he's, he's between him and the bar, they're saying, oh, "I'm not sure whether he got there or not." And they're like, "You're like, come on, that 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 was a that was a brilliant and obviously very key moment where yeah. it's gone from it could have been two two, you know, uh, uh, to 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 three one, and you know the one against Watford, smart save. It's, I mean, I, I, I was right behind that, and he's absolutely he's twatted that. It's that, at pace. It, it's, it's really at pace. And well, he makes that he makes that look much easier because nil. of where he, he is, and that's what we, that's what Pepe Reina used to do as well. You know. He, he, he never used to make make as many saves because his positioning was that good. I just I, I think he's the best I've seen. I I, I totally agree. I think he's be, in my opinion he's better than Reina. Yeah, and I've seen enough it, to say that. To I, I I I 100% think the same thing. And the way you can tell is that already strikers they're not taking this. They're not shooting in the same manner that they would do against another goalkeeper, which says to me that he's in their heads. They're coming through and they're thinking, yeah. "I've got to do something special to beat him." I've like seen with Courtois when he first came over into Hayes. Exactly. So it's got, everything's got to be in the corners. You'll see more things hitting the post, just going wide. Uh, being in a striker's head at that key moment is for a goalkeeper the best thing you can get. I think him and Van Dijk are, are our two most important players yeah. at the moment, and I think, I think, in a way, if you look at you know evolving this Liverpool team I think there's an argument that the only real way to evolve it from a transfer point of view is that if maybe you can go out and get a number six in the mould of them too and this isn't a slight against Henderson or Fabinho or anyone else in any way but if you can go and get that next level world class number six that's on a level with them too we see it with Verratti don't you that's the, that's the one time where we've played a team recently where you're a bit like 
Ah, we haven't yeah. got anything like that really, have we? You know, uh, yeah. Like little, little yeah. Closest we've got to isn't it? But Verratti's just a, a, in a, a, yeah, I don't, I'm not, he I showed this by like, dancing around all of them, didn't he? Well, exactly. <laughs> he's just he's just that next level above, <laughs> <laughs> which that yeah, that'll do it in a game for you. Wayne Aldams, but he, he's playing really well and it, he's perfect for our team. But as you say, if you don't, you know, it's not to criticise Wayne Aldams. It's just to say that if you can put someone who's that literally. Because an elite level player, because that's what that's what Van Dijk and that's what uh, Alisson are. And so if you can put one more of them there, and then I'll align that with Keita, who I think will be an elite level player, and the front three were already elite level players. That's it's a scary prospect. Uh, last little thing is the injury to Gomez, um, Dan. I'm intrigued as to what what happens next year because someone is going to have to cover right back. Um, we know centre half means, but it means we're going to get to see more of Lovren and more of Matip um, in terms of who lines up next to Van Dijk at centre back over the next few few games until Gomez comes back. For me, I'm intrigued as to who's going to who's going to deputise Trent at right back because Camacho was on the bench last night. Now yeah. Trent was on the bench as well, so we've, you can presume from that he's not picking Camacho, thinking I'm going to use him at right back. But he did use Camacho right back in pre season, and I do sort of wonder. If, certainly if, if we're talking about a Newcastle at home where you might give Trent a rest if he might go with, with the unexpected younger more sort of flair based footballer than Nathaniel Klein I think Klein's done first and foremost I think the likes of last night put that in, in perspective that Camacho was there before him now um, I, I think there's two things for me I think Lovren needs to start getting on the pitch and getting himself on the pitch a lot more than what he is doing and I don't know what his issues are they might be really serious but I, I, he's just missing too much football for me, and now's a case in point that we need him. And it's also, clash of heads last night. Is that that's what I heard? The clash, last session is heads. all I heard. Um, clash of heads. I heard. Clash of heads. Yeah. Fair enough. But it, there's also an opportunity now for Lovren to to reclaim his place in this side and and get that partnership with Van Dijk cemented if he wants to be in there from now here on into the end of the season. But also around right back. I, like I say, I think I don't think there's any way back for Klein, and I think. I don't think he, he's wanted to go near him since that League Cup game at Chelsea. I wonder whether he will go with Trent, but I wonder whether he's maybe getting either or both of Milner and Fabinho in his office this week and saying, you might have to do a bit for me at right back here, if I need be. Um, I, think he might be I, I think he might have an eye on, on, on Milner doing a bit for him at left back. Well, maybe so, yeah. But he might have to ask him to do a bit at right back. He might ask Fabinho to do it, like I say. And then he might go with the idea of if there is... You know, if there is a Wolves in the cup, that I can see them dropping seven or eight players. I might, I might give Camacho a go in there and give everyone the night off. But I, I think he's, he's probably going to have a chat, to, going to have to have a chat with someone about about right back and covering at right back. Fabinho, I think, will be the the main the main one to move across to right back for the cover. If you if you're asking for somebody in a big game. Maybe Trent got an injury or whatever, but I think listen, if you put Camacho on the bench last night, it would suggest that he's probably willing to give him a go. And the home games, you don't have to be solid defensively. Trent's come in and played sixty games now. When when he first started, you wouldn't, you'd have been having the same conversations about him. Would you trust him in the big games? And you wouldn't drop him on for them, would you really? So what I'd say is, the right back issue, the left back issue, they don't fill me with as much worry. Or not, not worry. Or but I'm less concerned about the full back areas than I am about the centre half areas because Lovren. You say, when you say they're a clash of heads, the first thing I thought, and this might be unfair to Lovren, is you've never heard of Suarez missing a game through a clash of heads, have you? Steven Gerrard never missed a game because he had a clash of heads. That might be unfair, I might be doing with the service, but he also he misses them with tummy aches, he misses yeah, them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He, he's, he's 100% commitment on the pitch, so it must, whether it's a mental thing or whatever, off it. And he needs to get that sorted, or we need to replace him, in my opinion. And they, we really do need to get it sorted because Matip, for me, 
playing him long term is not an option. I think last night you saw it, he he played okay. He wasn't. I don't think he was overly tested, but he's got a rick in him, and he's so. He, he reminds me of Dimitar Berbatov playing centre half. He's got no aggression in him. He's just he's so languid in everything he does. I think giving, giving him a run in the team would be a recipe for a lot of teams targeting him. I yeah, think that, I think that'd start happening very quickly, and and that's not you know it's not what you want. He wasn't he wasn't getting anybody running at him yesterday. I mean, yeah, Lovren's at at it's at uh, the you know the rock bottom of storage sort of levels of, yeah. and 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 I like Lovren as a player, but it's it, it, he can't he, if he can't. What's the point in a mercurial centre half? You never see it's you know you you want your centre halves to be to be playing every week. You need yeah. you need to 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 be they need to be building partnerships between their their fullbacks, their other centre half, and their goalie. Uh, thank you very much indeed to uh, Kev, to Adam and to Dan. They'll be back uh, towards the end of the show to talk about Bournemouth versus Liverpool, what they do and how they move from there and the whole situation. Uh, coming up, we've got Heather Carroll talking about Liverpool women. Uh, I've got John Arnorisa uh, talking to John Sexton. I've got Jackie McCassie talking about girl fans. See you in a minute. This is the Anfield Wrap. It is our weekend. It's one of our two free shows we do across the course of the week. Thank you very much for listening to it. Very much appreciate it. We've done loads of fantastic stuff uh, last few weeks around the games as they've been coming through our subscription service. So if you haven't subscribed yet, please do think about doing so. It's £5 a month for immediate post-match content. We went berserk after the uh, the Everton game, as I'm sure you can expect. Uh, but also the, lo- the longer form review stuff and preview stuff that we do. I understand that for some people, two shows a week is enough. But if you've been um and ah, and now is a great time to come and join up with us. Uh, and become part of tour player it's theamphiorapp.com the forward slash subscribe to be part of that um, if you think about getting it as a gift for somebody else someone you think would love the Reds 3, 6 or 12 months theamphiorapp.com forward slash shop uh, if you wanted to do that and you think you know someone out there who would love to be part of the Anfield Rap, please do do so and also we have a live show coming up the night before Brighton just go to our Twitter you'll find tickets for it on there the Brighton live show of the Anfield Rap. the night before we go to Brighton it was a fantastic party last year really pleased Brighton stayed up and we can do it all over over again get out on the air on, on, on the Saturday night after Brighton as well why not what else are we doing but listen thank you very much for listening to this it is the Anfield Wrap it is the weekender what a weekender it is I look at Liverpool women with Heather Carroll um, and Liverpool have now lost the most recent Merseyside derby but there should have been another one it was called off at late notice yeah it was a, it's a shame really because obviously we got beat on Sunday um, 2-1 despite a flurry of late chances and then last night would have been a, a, you know, a nice chance to put it right but unfortunately it's being postponed due to a waterlog pitch you mentioned that the flurry of late chances in that in that first derby game it was one where I was reading a fair bit about it after because there was really a lot, lot of really good coverage around mm. but it, I was reading a manager who felt at the end of a tether uh, like she doesn't really know what else she's meant to do here because you know there was chance after chance after chance from the sound of things from the reports I read yeah. last 15 minutes yeah it was tough you know and I think it's it's been like that now for the last couple of games you know you look at the Bristol game the Birmingham game and now Everton we've had so many chances in those games and they're just not going right for us I think sometimes you know football is a game of luck at the end of the day and it's just not going our way at the moment but at the end of the Everton game you know we hit the post and um, for Sophie Bradley Orkin that the head would just go like so like narrowly wide but it was frustrating but you know hopefully we'll get that, that chance to put it right soon it's it's that's been the, the the pathway of the last few games hasn't it just simply not sticking the ball in the back of the net it's there's been let's be fair they've been outplayed on a couple of occasions the side uh, there's been a yeah. couple of sides that come up against you really 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 impressed but um, there's been also a, a bit of bad luck. So, for instance, they came up against Manchester City women, yeah. frustrated them. But they're you know they're the side that they are. Birmingham City women are in a really good vein of form. But against Bristol, against Everton, 
they have just been a bit unfortunate. Yeah, if you look at the last, you know, obviously we've last lost our last five games now on the bounce. Um, but we started with you know a game against Chelsea, were last year's league champions, and got got beat by them one nil. And if you watch that game back, it was a very close game. You know, we had chances to, to tie the results even in the second half. Um, they got a bit of a bit of luck from a corner where our defenders sort of fell over each other, and their their goal came from someone who was in a little bit of space because of that. Um, then the next game, the, the Man City game, you know, again, a very good side, always up at the top of the table, challenging. And it's two really jammy goals. Like the third goal was fine. You know, I'm happy with the third goal. Can, <laughs> I'll let them have that. But the other two goals, you know, it was one was a penalty, which could have gone either way. And the other one was a, a fluky own goal. So it, it, it's one of them. And then the, but the, the next three results, you know, the Bristol game, I think we were disappointed not to come away with anything from that. Birmingham are flying high. So that was a tough game for us. And then the Everton game, you know, like I said, we had so many chances at the end just to even get a point from it. Well, the point's significant, really, because Everton's win puts them only four points behind Liverpool on the table. Now, yeah. it's their first win of the season. You'd still think that there's there's a bit of a gap there, you know, over the course of the the twenty games that'll get played, that that Liverpool should should pull away from from any sort of danger from Everton down there, but that's why the next you know the next couple uh, there's Reading this weekend, which mm-hmm. is which is a significant game really. Reading are having a good season. Yeah. Farah Williams now plays for them. They're not a bad side, but the, it's the sort of game that Liverpool maybe do need to start picking up at the odd point from. Yeah, and we've already played Reading once this season as well. And I think if you look back at that result, it was only, uh, I think it finished 1-0 to Reading. And it was, again, it was a very close game. I think it was one of our better performances so far this season. Um, so you, I think we'll be going there, you know, looking to at least get something from the game. I don't, they're nine points ahead of us in the table. But I don't think, you know, the game between us, I don't think there was nine points between us during that 90 minutes. Yeah. So I think very much we'll be looking forward to this weekend to just go ahead and hopefully just get a couple of goals, just get a little bit of luck going our way. Well, you mentioned the goals. The, the, I've really loved the um, the the Stephen Gerrard interview this weekend, uh, this week that came out where he's talking about number nines, yeah, uh, very emphatic in the way you <laughs> understand. Yeah, at the end of it is uh, is terrific. But there is a thing here: Liverpool's top scorers, uh, Courtney Sweetman Kirk, she's got three uh, from ten, uh, and then everyone else is at best. Well, there's four on two, yeah. and they, they, you know these are now footballers who've, who've got on the pitch at least you know at least ten times across the course of the season, and this is. This is a football team that isn't defined by its number nine because it just hasn't got one that can do what it, they need it to do to get the results. Yeah, we've got a couple of strikers and I think we've not really found the person who's going to be leading the line for us yet. Courtney and Courtney Sweetman-Kirk and Kirsty Lennart have sort of been in and out the team, you know, switching up each week. Uh, Courtney's our leading scorer with three goals and to be honest, she's really impressed over the last few games, you know, just her attitude in them. I think... We go 2-0 down against Bristol and she scores a goal to bring it back to 2-1 and she just grabs the ball and runs back to the halfway line with it. You know, there's no like fist pump in the air or anything. It was just, right, let's get, try and get back in this now. Um, so I think, you know, if you're looking to a leading, a leading lady, if, if you like, then Courtney Shippenkirk could be that one for you. But again, you know, it, it, you're always looking to your striker to score the goals, but they should really be shared out around the team as well. They should. I think it's... Is there also an issue here with, with 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 a few of them being a little sort of? It's still a new side. It was still rebuilt heavily in the summer, and it's still a youngish sort mm-hmm. of side in comparison to a fair few of its rivals. It, is it looking for a, a little bit more in there? You know, is, is is it a little bit unfair? Could they do with a little bit of fresh blood, a, a one or two new signings to really just sort of galvanise them? I do think you have to take this season in context and look look at you know the the people that we we've, we've brought in you know we've got Leanne Rowe who's been absolutely fantastic for us but she is stepping up the league and she's getting used to the league but you know she's been one of one of our best players so far so far this season um 
but it's just getting those players used to the league, you know, getting used to the intensity of the games, playing against full-time professional footballers and becoming a full-time professional footballer. You know, it's a big step up So for a lot of the girls in the team. Um, but I think they've impressed, you know, and I think, you know, looking at it in context, our performances haven't been that bad. You know, you look, you look at it and you go, you've lost five games in the trot, but it's not been like all doom and gloom. Like there has been little bright sparks in each of the games. Uh, my last little one on this is, do you think the manager's enjoying it? She's, you know, she's ended up being thrust in maybe a little earlier than she may have expected. It certainly might not have been something she thought was on the cards back in July, back in August. Do you think she's having a, having a good time? Um, I don't think you could ask any manager who's lost the last five games if they're enjoying it. I think um, she might be finding it, you know, a little bit tough um, having lost the last five games. But I you know I've got no doubt that she'll she'll be able to turn it round. And I think you know we just need, like I said, we just need to get that cup, those couple of goals. We need to just get that first win on the board, and then I think we'll be fine. There's still a chance of a continental league cup run, isn't there? Really, you know, there's uh, there's the game this weekend against, uh, sorry, the game after the league game against mm-hmm. Reading, Reading back to back. But Liverpool, they're sitting on two points, but they are, do have, a, have at least one game in hand on everybody else in there and not having played the postponed match. You know, it's, it's a real opportunity, that isn't it? That's it, yeah. We've, we've still got two games to go in the group stage. So if we get you know two wins from each of them, then we'll we'll go to the quarterfinals. And then from there, you know, it's just it's not out, isn't it? So you also got the FA Cup to come, which will start up, up again in uh, February. Uh, good stuff across the board. Sadly, there's not a home game on the horizon for us to talk about and get people excited about at the moment. Uh, ladies are away at women are away. Sorry, at Reading uh, this weekend. Uh, and yep, there's Reading, and then there's more Reading, and then there's <laughs> there's a break before Brighton and Hove Albion uh, in the new year. Go to Tramia Rovers, but we'll get Heather back in before then. Talk about any any other changes, any shifts, and how how they got on against Reading. Uh, this is our weekend show. Delighted to be joined now by John Arnarisa. John, I don't imagine you need much introdu- introduction, but I'll, uh, I'll get to it anyway. You made 348 appearances for Liverpool, scored 31 goals over seven years at the club. You won the League Cup in 2003, the Champions League in 2005 and the FA Cup in 2006. Are you happy to be back in Liverpool now to be uh, promoting this book? Yeah, I mean, I always enjoy coming back to Liverpool. Uh, it's my, I feel like my second home when it comes to the people uh, and my memories here. So it's a great feel to come back. And uh, obviously with my book as well, it's, it's it's great and one of the f- first cities I want to see when I came back my book in English anyway. Yeah, and uh, from, from reading your book, uh, some of the emotions you talk about give off the impression that perhaps you sort of struggled to find a place that you, that you were proud to call home, particularly in your sort of early years of your life. Would you say that Liverpool became that place quite quickly when you moved over here? Yeah, because I think it's easy to, to, to go abroad and Liverpool were, I was here seven years and I feel that um, most of the, the time I was here, I enjoy myself, uh, the people, they respect me for who I was. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is, it was easy to call Liverpool my second home because I had such a good memories from here. And some players go the whole time at Liverpool without getting a song. I think of the few, few of the recent players who've, who've uh, only just had the fortune of getting songs, Virgil van Dijk and Roberto Firmino. Firmino obviously been here a bit of a while now. Uh, you, you managed to get two within your first few games, obviously one from the Everton game and one from the United game. How was that feeling for you to hear that cop singing, you know? Well, uh, growing up as a young boy, your big dream is to be successful and to get a song for yourself is it's something that you can't even dream about. So when I heard that for the first time, I was, I was proud and it gave me the confidence to keep working hard and, and knowing that, you know, I'm accepted by the fans now and it, now it's time to work even harder to, to prove that, that they're right to, to believe in me. And Liverpool is a city that relishes being the underdog and, and loves to have a bit of fight in it and, and fight back against the sort of nasty causes. And you mentioned in your book how much you love proving people wrong as well. Do you think those shared values helped you settle into a place like this? I think so. Uh, I mean, uh, like you say, I, I love going against the flow. I love fighting against people who doubt in me and, and, and don't think I deserve things. So 
uh, I think that's maybe why I loved being here and living in Liverpool because uh, I could just be myself and, and, and keep doing that and nobody judged me on, on the other way. So yeah, I, I fight for what I believe in and uh, for who I am. And I found it really interesting in your book, you were talking about your tattoos as well. I think some Liverpool players in the past have, have adopted You Never Walk Alone as the, as the song, as, as their sort of own mantra. I think about Daniel Agger, your friend who, who had it tattooed across his knuckles and things like that. How much does that apply to you in terms of how you relate to it? Because I remember you saying when you were a child, you, you sort of felt a bit of loneliness. So then as you became an adult and as you came to Liverpool, did you, did you truly feel like you would never walk alone in that sense? I mean, I think it's something was meant to be, to be honest, for me, because when I came to Liverpool, I didn't know you know what alone was that big for the for the club. Um, but obviously, looking back at it, I, I think it's something meant to be for me to come here and have that song. And I got a tattoo on my leg as well, you know, walk alone, and uh, it meant a lot to me. And just hearing the song before every game uh, or during the game and after the game is it gives me goosebumps and and something to believe in. And every time I heard a song, I wanted to fight and play the best I could for for Liverpool Football Club. And it seems that your book starts with you you talking about half-time in Istanbul as a, as a bit of a precursor and then it sort of skips forward, skips back, sorry, to your childhood and some of your sort of tougher times. How much did those tough times spur you on, though, to be a success? I think the, the tough times uh, I had when I was young made me stronger as a person, mentally strong to, to, to handle uh, when I met something against me when I was older. Uh, I knew quite early age what I wanted to do and how hard I needed to, to work to get there. Um, used to be on my own uh, and just work hard so um, yeah I think everything happens for a reason in my opinion and my childhood made me stronger and, and mentally prepared for everything that came in, in the later life. And a few of your great moments, which we referred to there, uh, came in Merseyside derbies. Obviously, one of your, one of your first goals did. Uh, we saw another, which will go down in history of the weekend with uh, with Divock Origi score. And how did you react to that when you saw it? You know what? Uh, <laughs> I think it's again something that's meant to be for him because he hasn't been in the team for a while, and then he get on as a sub uh, in a derby. And this is a goal that can change his career, uh, especially his confidence uh, and the belief from the manager that he throws you in to get a goal and then you score in the 96th minute against Everton, which is probably the, the one opponent you want to score a goal against. So I think uh, for the team and for Origi and for everybody, I think that was a great moment for him and he will, I think he will grow on that. And someone who's faced adversity yourself, how, how, when you put yourself in his shoes, does that make you feel almost almost proud of him when you see him coming back from the sort of tribulations he's had at Liverpool? Yeah, I mean, he's showing that, you know, he's working hard. Uh, but the most important thing is that the manager shows you that he believes in you, you know, because he picks you for the game. Uh, you come on as a sub uh, in a very important and tough game against Everton and you score. Then you prove to your manager he made the right decision to trust you and then he, you can work on that and the manager like Mr. Klopp, he will trust you again. So now you just need to build on that and just show the confidence is, is back and he can play good again. And you talked in your book about captain Liverpool, albeit you mentioned the first time you did that was in a, was in a friendly against Wrexham, I think it was, wasn't yeah. it? Uh, but how much of an honour was that for you? And because and, there's a bit of a sort of conversation at the moment around the captains and maybe whether Henderson's the right pick and whether there'd be better picks. Do you think it sort of still holds that importance that it did to players like you when you got that chance? I think being a captain is, is, is uh, something that everybody should be proud of if they are made captain for any club or country. Uh, and I think the captaincy is, is very important, even though you need several leaders in the game uh, on the pitch, there's always one captain that you can rely on or you know that's going to be putting his foot in for you or, or be the leader on the pitch. And, you know, I think Henderson is doing a great job. He's always done a great job since he was captain. Uh, but Liverpool has a lot of captains 
players who can be captain and if it's going to be in the future i have no idea but at the moment i'm happy with him but i know also we have different other players who can also do the same the same do, job. Do you think that's important then that you have a team of leaders? Because I, I look back to the team you had and in Istanbul in particular, you had players like Gerard and, and Diddy Haman and Sammy Hippie and Jamie Carragher. You had you had a team which had a, almost a spine of leaders. Yeah, we had a lot of leaders, and and any one of the don't the one you mentioned could even be captain. But uh, we 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 knew Sammy was the captain before I, when I came, and then Stevie G took over quite quickly after that, and he's been a perfect captain. But a captain needs his leaders around him to help him uh, with a job, and that's why we have Kara. Uh, Dietmar Haman, uh, Torres, uh, whoever you want to mention. Uh, but the one captain we have was CVG, and, but with good helpers. And you mentioned Istanbul being one of the so great, probably the greatest night of, of your career. And you've obviously won a couple of other honours for Liverpool as well. Do you think this is a team now that, that Jurgen Klopp's got that can challenge for them again? You know, I mean, uh, we were almost there last year when we lost the final yeah. uh, against uh, Madrid. Uh, this year, I think. Uh, we're looking strong as a team, more balanced as a team. Uh, we haven't still haven't played our best football yet, I think, uh, when you look at the whole season. But we're not far from the city, which is a good sign. But we're a team who is going forward. We're playing some amazing football. Uh, the fans are extremely happy with, the, with what we've done on the club in the last three years since it came. But yeah, we are, we are a team now who can challenge for a Premier League title. We are a team that's going to fight for a, a Champions League title. But if we can do it this year, I don't know, we'll see. And finally, I like when you had the sort of pictures in, in the middle of your book and one of them you included was Khloe Kardashian as, as, as a sort of important <laughs> moment in your career. I also remember though that you mentioned you wanted to meet Britney Spears one day. I just wanted to check on whether that had happened yet or not. <laughs> yes, I, I've been able to say hello to Britney Spears in a concert in Ireland, for, actually. It was a quick uh, uh, hi and hello, but uh, the Khloe Kardashian thing was more um, for my wife. Uh, we were there uh, on holiday and... Um, she was there in the table next to us. I just took charge and uh, went for it and asked for a picture. And she was nice enough to say yes. So I imagine the Britney Spears thing probably ranks similar to Istanbul then in your, in your career achievements. <laughs> no, not even close. Uh, not even close. I think uh, I'd rather have the Champions League medal than uh, a meeting with Britney. Well, John, I'm sure everyone who's listening can read much more in your book anyway. I really enjoyed it. It's a great read, so I hope they do too and sort of understand some of the tribulations you've been through in your career. But thank you very much for your time today. Cheers, Paul. Thank you. It is our Football Flash Quiz. Questions written by Lizzie Doyle, Neil Atkinson, joined by John Gibbons for this one. And we've got Tim Sinclair on. Tim, are you confident of getting 8 out of 10? Um, I'm very hopeful. I'm very hopeful. <laughs> You're very hopeful. Okay. Spoken yeah. like a politician. Yeah, yeah. yeah hopeful it's... of a good Brexit deal. Yeah, that's, that's, what <laughs> that's what Tim's in it for. He's hopeful the meaningful vote will go through very well for him on December the 11th. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is uh, that is what he's in it for. Uh, Tim, there is there is there are ten questions, and the, our first two competitors each got eight. So eight is the one, eight is the number, uh, and then you you will receive a piece of merchandise. And then what happens is off air, we have a very embarrassing conversation when I ask you what size you are. Uh, you can always try and guess. That'd be even more awkward. All right, Tim, I reckon you're a large. <laughs> I was going to say large. I'm 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 double XL. I'm I'm six foot four. Six so. foot four. He's walking at six four. Six foot. Just bouncing yeah. around town. Absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, he's going to some of those mad shops where you've got to get specific <laughs> fittings. fittings. <laughs> Don't know if we've got one of them. <laughs> It's been it has, it has been known, yeah. Yeah, yeah, those those the, yeah, those those mad gentle giant shops or whatever they're called. Oh, we've, we've got loads of double XL gear, man. You, might be, you might be getting a sack. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. Well, all right, we'll ask you the questions. Uh, all right, Tim. The first one is who was Liverpool, and this is all with football flash, by the way. Everything's come from football flash or from things connected to. So it. I think people 
in the future who um, who are playing the quiz will be wise to just download the Football Flash app. That's what we're in it for. <laughs> that and giving away some merch in the back there. <laughs> that's what we're and, in it and, for. And then you'd, then you'd smash it. But, you know, that's just my advice. Yeah, and also, you know, I literally use the Football Flash app to pull together my life uh, at the minute, which is hugely helpful. Uh, it means I know exactly what's going on in Stoke. Um, who was, uh, first question then, who was Liverpool's first substitution last night? Who was our first substitution? Against Burnley. Uh, it was, was it Firmino for Origi? No, no, it wasn't. It was um, Gomez went off and he came on for Gomez. Uh, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. I'll tell, tell you what, we got there in the end, Tim. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? Honestly, I was, uh, I was there was highs and lows there for me um, on a personal level. Well, that was after seven changes, I had a few to go through in my head there. That's, uh, honestly, fine. You're on one from one. Uh, this is not masterminds. <laughs> not these kids doesn't go at a big pace. Uh, next one. What was Jurgen Klopp fined for earlier this week? For uh, running on the pitch. Exactly. Okay. Quite rightly. Two from two. Quite rightly, yes. Um, Liverpool have scored three last-minute goals against Everton in the last two years. Name two of the goal scorers. Uh, well, Shakiri last night. Uh, no, 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 last Virgil minute goals against Everton, against Everton in the last two years. Oh, sorry. Uh, so Virgil van Dijk and Mane. Yeah. Yeah, fine. Three from three. Um, which French midfielder targeted by Liverpool is said, uh, according to articles that are on Football Flash, to be making his transfer decision in January? Uh, the the great the the once great Nabil Fakir. Four from four. <laughs> Who will Liverpool drawn against in the third round of the FA Cup this week? Uh, Wolves. Wolves is right, 5 from 5. Allison equaled an 11-year club record last night set by Mascherano in 2007 by going 15 games without... Losing? That's quite right, 6 Drawing? from 6. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who was sacked as Southampton manager this week? Um, Mark Hughes, the once great. Mark <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of fallen heroes in this. There is. This week. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's seven from seven. Which former Liverpool goalkeeper let in a goal from the halfway line last night for Hibs? For Hibs? Oh, that must be. Oh, um, Bogdan? It is Bogdan. That's eight from eight. Well, let's keep, keep you going on the you march. You say here. former Liverpool player, he still officially plays for Liverpool. Does he? Yeah. Does, does I- it- I will give you a bonus, um, bonus something in the post if if you can uh, if you know the former Liverpool player who scored it. Oh, uh, I don't even know who they were playing. He's, um, he's former in... Liverpool player in Scotland. Yeah, I don't know. He's improvised this. It's not on the list. Uh, <laughs> I'll do it for you, Tim. It's Adam Hamill. <laughs> Adam Hamill. You still eight, you're still eight for me. You're still eight for me. That's a side bet. Yeah, yeah. It's just, honestly, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely flying. Um, who is currently top of the championship? Top of the championship. It was... Is it... Is it Norwich? It is Norwich. Nine from nine. And what score did Man United Arsenal end up last night? Oh, 2-2. Two, 2-2. Two. Two, two, 10 out of 10. Oh, I'll tell you what. Uh, didn't oh, get your side right. bet. I didn't see that coming early. 10 out of 10. No. <laughs> first question, I was very, very unlike. I wish I'd now said you couldn't have it. The first question. <laughs> up the I'll tension. take your first answer. I'll take your first answer. Yeah, 9 out of 10, Tim. Uh, I'm just going to push you down there ruthlessly. Uh, thank you very much indeed uh, for taking thank part you. in our Football Flash Quiz. Uh, do download the app if you want to know everything that's going on with Liverpool with loads of good links and stuff I'm on there. Now. You are indeed. Uh, <laughs> you owe them. You owe them. We're on there as well. Uh, thank you very much for listening.
Neil Atkinson and Lizzie Doyle joined my Jackie McCassie to talk about Girl Fans magazine that started in 2013 with Liverpool supporters. With Liverpool at Anfield in that memorable season. Everyone looks very happy. Say what you want. <laughs> yeah. have the Hodgson in it. They're definitely no. photographed before the game uh, um, and not, not well, after the game. Everyone looks very happy indeed. Yeah. The, you started it, it, it is purely about representation yeah. of women football supporters Absolutely. that's what it is and that's what it shows it's just visual yeah. representation why did you start it um yeah it's a photo zine there were actually quite a few reasons why we started it i mean i've been wanting to uh, i'm actually a lecturer in fashion i've been doing that like 20 years at the time i'd go into work and i'd want to talk about football and no one would want to talk about football um <laughs> and then at home I could talk about football that was fine and with friends I, I kind of wanted to work on an individual project and, it, and it, it struck me actually on the first game of that season at Anfield that there were just so many women there um, outside of football if you don't go to the game you I don't think a lot of people actually knew that weirdly so then I found the stats and the stats for that season I think were like from the Premier League like 23% of match goes for women. Yeah. So it kind of just started there and I thought, okay then, we don't really see them. Nobody really knows that unless they go to the game. Let's do. Let's try and sort of address it. Was it a conscious decision then to use what's effectively the form of the fanzine? It's Absolutely. very much newsprint. So it was yeah. almost the fanzine, fan, pages yeah. of fanzines tend to be dominated by men, by male yeah. voices, male Absolutely. ideas. Yeah. And you consciously did something that looks and feels like literally yeah, feels like physically. Zine. Yeah. You can roll it up, put it in your pocket. Um, we actually, when we finished it, we went back to Anfield and we distributed some. We just gave them out to female fans. But yeah, absolutely. It was always meant to be about using a kind of platform that I felt previously was was had been done by men. And obviously in Liverpool, that was a, you know, I think it was particularly relevant because you had fanzines like The End, yeah. you know. And um, I'm a big admirer of anyone that kind of runs a fanzine as yeah. well. Do you know what I mean? To actually churn out that stuff like constantly, regularly, is is I'm a huge admirer of it. Um, so yeah, the the kind of look and feel of it was so it's a photo zine. So really, it was about visibility. In my own kind of tiny mind, I was thinking, I'll just go out and I'll photograph thousands of fans, <laughs> and I'll change, you know, and I'll change kind of everyone's opinions about female fans. And we gave it a good go <laughs> at Anfield. Um, you know, we might, I think there are about, I don't know, there might be about 80 fans in it. Subsequent issues have been bigger, actually. We've yeah. kind of put more fans in there, but yeah. It's representation is a complex and difficult thing, Jackie. I think it's something mm. which people, you know, even now, I think people, a lot of people try to do it and want to be better. Mm. And I think at times it just needs yeah. someone to, to someone to grasp the nettle a little bit, really, and just sort of say, yeah. "This is how we're going to do this." I think, you know, yeah. I think that we can often we can often presume people are. I laid back about it, but really sometimes it can just be tough, and it needs it needs things Absolutely. to break through. Yeah, and I think the thing is as well. I'm I'm a I'm a person who kind of because I come from like a practice point of view, kind of like yeah. make things. I think at the time I never realised the impact that it might have had on other people, you know, and and certainly where it's gone to in the world, it's gone literally everywhere. But I'm a bit of a, I still see it as a bit of a, a piece of activism, but it's it was just kind of a slower, more gentle piece of activism, as in just being about visibility. Do you know what I mean? And it yeah. sort of reflects me as a person as well, of someone who will just keep chipping away and keep chipping away at a project and keep putting the work out there. And then people will 
recognize it, start to talk about it. And I think it's happened like that. I think it is difficult. I think people are learning about things as well. I think men are learning about kinds of women at the game and women in sports and, you know. Yeah, I was going to say, as a as a female football fan who, who goes regularly, regularly as well, um, what I quite like about this is, you know, not, not every girl is dressed in pink. Not every girl yeah. is, you know, wearing top-to-toe um, colours. Yeah. When, when I go to the match, it, I, I don't wear colours. It, it's just yeah. a, it's just an active choice Me of neither. mine. But, how, you know, it feels like no one would really know that, like you say, unless mm. unless you go the game. Yeah. And the, the merchandise that seems to come out from clubs um, from and independence as well, which yeah. is, it's like different fitting shirts, different styles mm. of shirts and... Yeah. Um, different colours and, and I do remember when I was younger and I got my first football top and yeah. you know me mum wanted me to get a, a small women's but it, yeah. it was nothing like the men's shirt and I was yeah. like I, I don't yeah. I don't want version. the women's top I want mm. I, I want to wear the top that Fernando yeah. Torres is wearing yeah, yeah, yeah. and I want Fernando Torres's name on the back yeah. and I, I think that is a problem there's a lot of assumption and that's where we're going wrong in this. I think your fanzine mm. clearly shows, like especially like the, the you can tell the elderly scouse women. Absolutely, there's, there's like this I class them. about them and um, a, a, a genuine side to them that like, they're just there in the coat, yeah, with a red scarf red, on, just like any or, other fella, or, or red inside the hood, yeah, you know, just like a little bit, yeah. I mean, for the for the Liverpool zine, definitely. I was looking at the time. There, there was a lot. There was a lot going on around kind of pink merchandise. There's been a lot going on in the NFL in America. They have kind of changed the way they've approached merchandise, and so I felt like this was almost like evidence of, you know, what fans actually wear. It's an independent view of that as well, and a lot of people don't like pink merchandise for stars. I, I suppose because I'm working independently, I'm not working on behalf of a club. I think ultimately for a club, it comes down to sales. Of course, Ultimately, do you know what I mean? I think you find a lot more now kind of examples of pink merchandise for kinds of babies and toddlers and Mm. children. Do you know what I mean? And that's, and that's, there's a, there's a huge issue about gender specific colors, just like generally in toys and all Mm. of those other things. Um, I think for the club, it comes down to sales, pure and simple. I think if people buy it, if people buy it, they'll make it. Um, I've also met fans who really love that. And I don't so think that's a problem. I'm a proper Libra sitting on the fence. I, I, when I did it, am I allowed to mention other clubs? Manchester, yeah, yeah. Manchester City. Um, Manchester City asked, actually asked me to make a zine. Um, I found that there, there are a lot, there are a lot of fans that actually quite liked it. You know, mm-hmm. um, and and so that's the difficulty, isn't it? You're talking about as well, not just a local fan base. You're talking about a global fan base in yeah. terms of who buys the product. You know what I mean? So, but I agree. I would never wear pink anything, but I also don't wear a lot of colours. I just wear like a hat or a scarf. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And keep it to that. And I think there is that. There's also that thing going on at Liverpool where people do that. Don't wear colours. Mm. When you. When you said before that you wanted the Torres shirt, now there are women's kits available with the Avon sponsor on as represented by Liverpool mm-hmm. women. Lizzie, would you now feel, you know, as Liverpool women now are a prominent sort of football side, would you feel more comfortable in that sort of stuff now or would you still be thinking now, to be honest with you? I tend to go and watch the men. I watch the men much more than the women. If I'm wearing a kit, I'll have one of the ones with the men's names on, please. Um, well, 
Yeah, I think that's sort of a, a separate, not argument, it's a separate discussion, really. It's, you know, I'm only sort of coming round to the, the women's game now, and I, I do mm-hmm. hold my hands up for that. And, Me too. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I don't think that's any fault of our own. I think no. that's no, down to, you know, there's not been silent, enough media portrayal, mm-hmm. there's not mm-hmm. been anything, you know, heavily broadcasted on them. So I, I'm learning a lot about the women's game, and um, I'd, I'd like to see a lot more. And so at, at the moment, I, I wouldn't get. Yep. The women's shape with the women's name, and just because I'd feel a bit fraudulent, I I wouldn't yeah, know what the name on the back, authenticity, who it was, mm-hmm. and you know when I'm buying a, a a shirt with a name on the back, it's who, who you know who who you're you're idolising there and then, and that's not to say because I think obviously the Liverpool women are amazing. It's just yeah. a naivety yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, and probably absolutely. for a lot of people. So mm. hopefully, with with young girls growing up, with all the stuff being done around the women's game. Hopefully the next Lizzie Doyle will be getting the Liverpool women on the back instead of Fernando Torres. I think it will change massively. I think it is changing. It, it really is changing. But that's right? why these voices and demonstrating, when I say voices, yeah. I don't, this, this is visual in this instance, yeah. but that's why this sort of demonstrating this, I think is, this stuff is important, isn't it? And, you know, Absolutely. we've had the ridiculous thing yeah. this week with the with the awards and the behaviour around yeah. that, which is which has done people's heads in as much yeah. as, more than upset them, it's just done yeah. people's heads in. I think there's it's important to draw a line between the two distinctions. Yeah. And I think that it's important that, you know, people can, you know, mm-hmm. can, can can say that there's there's a language with which, in which women can, can go about their business in football. Yeah, and so, and some of it, it, and because of projects like this, and there are loads of other projects out there as well, if it doesn't feel forced anymore. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's a, it's a, it's naturally happening. Those conversations are happening around representation, definitely, and also social media allows you to express yourself quite easily if you're unhappy with something. Um, you know that being a great example, um, the Ballon d'Or. Um, so yeah, for me, for me, looking back over the five years, I can see such a huge difference. What have you got lined up? I have, I have um, in the can Tranmere and Celtic. I've got all the contents. <laughs> People are so bored of me saying it because I just need to get it out. Um, and we've got a really special publication coming out after Christmas, which is slightly different to this one, which I got some funding for from the university, and um, it. It's going to be about all the older fans. Lovely. But a, a nice nod to all the older fans. And I've been working on it for two years. I've got a lovely Liverpool fan, Anne, who went to Rome in 84, wearing a shirt. I've got photographs of her, her story, their experiences, because we've heard about all the men that have gone to away games and gone to European <laughs> games. And now you're going to hear about some of the women. Are you coming to talk to us? Definitely. Excellent. It, definitely. Let's look forward yeah. to that in the new year. Thank you very much Thank to Lizzie you. and to Jackie. To the Reds Bet segment with Paul Senior and Neil Atkinson having a chat about Liverpool going to Bournemouth. Um, you're nervous about going to Bournemouth, aren't you? Yeah, um, but then I sort of contradict myself by giving us a big, a big win in my prediction. I'm nervous because I, I, I can't picture how the first ten minutes go. Is, is that a, is that a weird thing? No, it's not a weird thing. I've got feel time. like from the first ball, sometimes when the match is kicked, you sort of know where where the, where your team is at. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure how Liverpool look on the back of the last the last couple of fixtures. Paris Saint-Germain, Everton and Burnley are a nightmare at the best of times. And coming into it, I just I just want to see Liverpool springy because I think they'll have to be. But also, you you rightly say um, they've they've had to do three in a week, and we're more well more used to that than they are. And also, I think we're more that, used. That calms to... me slightly. And also, I think with the way we've beaten, I mean, Everton's a freak, but. 
Origi could score and hits the bar. I think we finish the game stronger, even though we have that weird little bit where we run out of energy. I think that you look at Watford, we finish the game stronger. Paris Saint-Germain's a bit strange, but they do go off the boil big time as though the sheer energy they've put in early is a thing. Mm. I just wonder if, if 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 Bournemouth start right at it, they could almost play into our hands a little bit in a strange way in that we might, if we can absorb it, if we, you know, so if they start, yeah, so let's say they have a big first 20, they create one decent chance, but they don't score it, but we absorb everything else. They're working really hard, but then we start to get on the ball and move them around a little bit. I, that's what I want to see, I think. I think I want to see us move the ball around a fair bit against them and grab, or I almost feel as though the way we, the way we played at Watford, whilst we got the 3-0 result at Watford, we maybe could still have done a bit better at different bits of the yes. game, but I sort of think if we go the way we did against Watford at Bournemouth, then I think it could suit that game down to the ground. And before you know where we are, we're one nil up at half time. Patience is um, patience is going to be big, I feel. Um, but do you know if we if we get our foot on the ball and start knocking them around, that'll tire them out. I'm, I'm listen. I, I know I say I'm nervous. I'm probably nervous because of lots of wider factors and stuff like that, but. I'm sure. I'm sure Liverpool can go there and do a job. We've made seven changes against Burnley, and I've got a factor that in that you could literally make five, six again. Okay, um, going to run down the, uh, the 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 odds for you on this one then, relatively quickly with Reds Bet. Uh, Reds Bet were kind enough to give us an interview with Callum Smith. Uh, well, help sort out an interview with Callum Smith. Callum was kind enough to give us the interview. Um, it's brilliant. It's on our free feed, um, and it's with Josh Sexton. It is the absolute business, to be honest with you. Josh did a brilliant job. He loves his boxing, Josh, and and he loved. He bo- buzzed off Callum as well, a fellow younger brother. Uh, that's the way in which he went I, about I, I've it. I've got the same relationship with Josh. You know, uh, <laughs> Same, same as my little baby boy, you know. Yeah, yeah. Callum, Callum's the 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 younger Smith. Josh was very much the uh, the is the younger brother in his family as well. And he was there was a lot of there was I'm the, in this business. <laughs> there was a lot of that coming together quite nicely. It's a lovely, lovely interview. Uh, really, really good and a fascinating insight into the career. So thank you very much for that. Uh, and if you have signed up for Redsbet, thank you for that. If you want to, uh, it's Redsbet.com. Uh, it's very much this about for us about people who already gamble choosing to go with Redsbet uh, where you, where you can and where you want to. Uh, so do feel free to do that. And if it's not for you, it's not for you. And always be gamble aware, and that's begambleaware.org. Uh, Mo Salas has gone on Liverpool to win um, seven to four. It's decent. That is decent, isn't that's it? That's decent, yeah. Why, why wouldn't you have a bit of that? Uh, that is very decent, I think, and it's a lovely little double. Um, I don't want this one. Um, in that I don't, I don't back this one. But I want to know what you think. Liverpool to win and both sides to score nine to four. Liverpool to win and both sides to score. It means them scoring, which means my nerves will be there. I could just do with a nice, a nice winter nilly and nil. I think we could win to nil. We won to nil last season. We won, we went there and won four nil last season. Yeah, you've got to remember that. Um, and and whilst I think Bournemouth are a different proposition this yes. season at this stage, I still think it's still the same manager and the core are still the same players. It's worth bearing that in mind. Uh, but then they might have learnt from that, I suppose. Um, Liverpool to win one nil, two nil, or three nil, otherwise known as the one that relaxes Paul Senior's nerves. Sixteen to five. Just give me that. Inject that in my veins. <laughs> I like this one. Uh, Mo Salah and Daniel Sturridge both to score seventeen to four. Don't think Sturridge will get a kick. Don't think he'll even get on. That's no. fine. Um, no, I think it'll be. You'd like to think Sadio Mane can recover from a, a cut on his foot. Firmino and Salah get a rest, and you would almost argue that Origi will be first sub. So no, I wouldn't be touching that one. Wouldn't be touching that one. Uh, okay. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, we've got here. Oh, Sadio Mane to score and Liverpool to win three to one. 
Yes, yes, I was. Yeah, I was 100% be having a little go at that. I might, I might actually have a go at that. Do you know what I wouldn't have a go at? And maybe I'd be proven wrong. Uh, 9 to 2 is Liverpool to lead after 15 minutes. Why? Because I don't. I, th- I think it'll. St- I think if anyone starts fast, it's them. Uh, you've only got to look at our last, however many games where we. How many times have we scored in the first fifteen? You could say maybe we're due one. You could make yeah. that argument, but I. I don't fancy that. But I do it's fancy. Like four to one. It's uh, nine to two. Four and a half to one. Yeah. Uh, but I like this one, and I'll explain why. Liverpool to win both halves um, is fifteen to four. And my thing on this is, we've been creating a load of chances from thirty-five to forty-five, and we just haven't been taking them. Yes. Well, I had this thing where we were we, we were scoring. I think it's pre Arsenal almost every game on the stroke of half time. So I think there's a a Liverpool trigger in there. So yeah, why not? I I think Liverpool to win both halves is one I can get absolutely right behind. I can imagine Liverpool scoring one in the first half and then going on to to score two in the second half and maybe 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 just concede one. Listen, thank you very much to Paul Senior. Thank you very much to Red's Better, our partners for 2018. Let's get back over to the rest of the weekender. Back, thank you to everyone there. Uh, back with Dan, with Adam, and with Kev. Um, I looked at the league table this morning, and I laughed me head off. Uh, and I laughed me head off in two different ways, Adam. The first way I laughed me head off was it's unbelievable the number of points we've got and we're not top. And I think that we need to point and laugh at the ridiculousness of that. And then I laughed me head off because we're 16 points clear of Everton, Man United, and Bournemouth. On to Bournemouth in a minute. It's, it's not being 16 points clear of Bournemouth, but you know what I mean. There's... Um yeah, there's a few different tiers in operation now. It wasn't really what I was after, the, t- the top two flying off like that. But, I mean, I'm all right with it. Now it's us. <laughs> <laughs> it looks a lot better from second than it would from third, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not complaining about it. But, yeah, I mean, it was it, it, uh, overall... It's happened quick. It was a good, yeah, and, and, and it seems like a lot changed just last night, to be honest. Uh, that, um, did Tottenham get beat at the weekend? Got Tottenham got beat by Arsenal. Tottenham got beat by Arsenal at the weekend, but they won last night. So uh, over the over the case over the course of these two rounds of fixtures, it's really it's really starting to take shape as it does in this 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 period of uh, of, of games leading up to kind of the New Year's Day fixture, the league table by by in between the first of December and the first of January takes shape, and um, you know it's uh, it, it's 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 great to be involved with, and it is really really funny looking at Man United, and I suppose it's quite funny looking at Everton. I thought. They might be nineteenth though, so you know. And I, I, the Everton thing it was just more the idea that it, that that gap's opened up to such an extent. The sixth, and they probably are the sixth best team in the country, Everton. You know, but they are sixth, but, but they are five, they do find themselves sixteen points behind Liverpool at this stage of proceedings. Uh, Man United sixteen points behind. I say Bournemouth will come on to them in a minute. Kev, I think you've. We, I think we've just got to say this is the company we're keeping now and be proud of that fact and will us on to keep keeping that company. There's no, you know, if they don't drop points at Chelsea but we win against Bournemouth, I don't care. I, um, You know, for me, it's all about where we all are when we get when we go to their, their gaff first game of the new year. That's it. I'm not, you know, I'll I'll take walking into the Etihad two points behind them. I'll take that, and I'm not I'm not going to be I'm not going to be. Wa- I'll watch Chelsea versus Man-, Man City if I can with a hope but, with a hope, but I'm not going to be watching it like you know if they win. Oh no, we're in real trouble. Now listen, if if, if you want to be handily placed, which is one way exactly where you do want to be, two points behind going into their place in January would be fantastic. But even our games now at all it feels like very much like last night confirmed it we're in a we're in a title challenge and every fan and every player is fully behind that fully committed to it so I think now you'll for me it's felt like that since the start of the season the pressure it, some, watching some of the games has been awkward it's been made me ratty no on that I think what's dead interesting is I think when you felt like that in September 
you felt you didn't feel good about it. Now it's December. I feel great about it, yeah. and I think it's 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 a strange thing with that sort of stress changing because it felt mad that you that that was the case five games in, but now it's fifteen games in. You're like, yeah, this is the point. This is what it should be like. That's exactly what you want. That's exactly it. That's exactly what you want it to be, and that's what brings the best out of Liverpool normally, and especially our fans. It gets everyone het up. It gets the atmospheres going. But the fact that the players are feeling it now. Uh, they'll have always known whether they had a chance to win the league or not. They, I think they, the players know before the fans in most instances. And I think last night showed there was no panic, there was no worries when we went the one goal behind. But still, there was a lot of agency that this was going to be a game we'd win it because it's three points and it's three points for a title challenge. Because now the, even the players will start talking about the title challenge now because it's clear to see that it's only us and Man City. There'll be no one else involved in there. I think Tottenham are our nearest rivals, which are like seven points behind us. Six points behind us and eight points behind City. See, so they, they're out of it now, effectively, and that, which is mad to say. Because the points total they've got, I don't know the actual facts. But 33. 33, they're not from 15 have, games. Exactly, that'll probably have the top of the league in most of the seasons, but this year it isn't. But Liverpool, is the, the intensity that the fans have got and the players have clearly got, I'm hoping that. Klopp's had the the foresight and it feels like he has it feels like he's been managing performance levels and feels like he's been managing the sports science aspect side of it so that we we're not hitting our pump yet. We're gonna we're gonna hit our stride going into January. And as you say, if we're two points behind them going to, to their place and we do beat them, um imagine. Imagine the night house. I, I think there's a lot to be said around getting to City as close as, as you can to them, and then and then just treating that game in isolation. And, and uh, the swing after that game, I think, will will be the, the deciding factor from, for the running really. And I think I, I think it's it's a testament to the manager just how focused he's, he's keeping them. It, you know, regard it must be hard. I don't care what you say to to not take take heed of what City are doing every single week. It must be hard for us, but you know, simultaneously, it must be a pain in the ass for them that they're having to go. God, you know, you imagine last night they probably, if one of their players flicked that game on after an hour and we're getting beat one 0 they're thinking, oh, here we go, here we go, and and we just turn the screw, and and it is it is very much in a case of it being a two-horse race now, and and we've just got to keep we've got to keep going toe to toe with them. We've just got to keep slugging with them because there's. If this is the pace, then this is the pace, and I think we've accepted that now. And, and like you say, in September, when we're all just a little bit unsure of where this all leads, then that can become a little bit frustrating. But now, it's very much a case of well, this is just what we do, and teams know this is what we do. And I think the physicality thing's a big, a big factor in that because for me, I think we're playing so many sides who, who look done by by thirty thirty onwards. In some cases, I think I think there's. There's that much to be done now when coming up against this Liverpool side, both mentally and physically from an opposition point of view, that I think we're able to just to move through our gears at our pace. And I, I just hope, my big hope at City is that I I hope they might burn out. I think, they might, I, I think there's a good chance that they might be peak now. And we've said this on a couple of other shows. Um, my thing on that, Dan, is I can give that a bit of credence and I can have a think about it, but then I think that they're going to bring big Kev De Bruyne back in top red uh, and he's going to be fully fit for, uh, you know, because he's not had much football. I mean, maybe he'll get another injury and it can work in our favour, but my... They've, my got, th- they've got a good player in his position now, though, Neil. That's the only oh, thing. He's a brilliant player, uh, but the point is that, for instance, if Bernard... They have got a Fernandinho, is what I, I'd say. You know, if somebody... I'd actually just put big Kev there, Somebody you know. kicks his legs off. I, I think I think I think they're getting away with it slightly in terms of I don't think they're getting worked hard enough in some games, and I think there's there is that 
that element of submission in, in some t- sides who come up against them. And he, even if they're getting a tonkin, you know, you, you want teams to run the legs off them the or make them work. They had a dicey finish the other night. It's just given me, I think it's given us all a little bit of hope there. And however you compare in the fixtures, that they, you know, they, whether you're saying that they've made this many changes, we've made that many changes. <laughs> we we went to Watford and and, and were more, much more comfortable than, yep, than City were. Um, we made similar amount of changes last night as City made the night before. We ended up more comfortable. We are finishing games more strongly than they are. They they're starting games looking absolutely invincible. But I think that the thing that Dan's saying, if you're looking for indicators of that happening, their expected goals is going down. Their chances created, their, their chances conceded is going up. So there's. It, it, there's, there's certainly, uh, you know, they, they, they could, they could beat Chelsea four 0 on, on, on Sunday and make, make, make me look daft. But there is, there is evidence to say that there are that these things are starting to happen that that could point towards a body of evidence that says they are tiring. I, I don't think, I don't think if they, if they beat Chelsea four 0 I don't think you look daft. Um, I don't, I don't think you look daft if if they beat Chelsea four 0 because they could just go out and beat Chelsea four 0 It was around this time last season when they went to Spurs or they played Spurs at home and they destroyed them four one, mm-hmm. and absolutely like just, 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 just battered them into next week but I do think that you can look at you know if you want to look at that you can look at the second half of the season last season where they do you know they get beat by Wigan in the cup yeah. I think there is bits and pieces but it's that's all about hanging in I think and what I just want until it, March it's always been the game yeah well I, what I don't want us all to do is you know if they, if they do do Chelsea 4-1 it's not the idea of you looking stupid but the idea that we're all sitting around going oh no no one's ever going to stop them no 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 if we're in touch we're in touch. If we're one result away, we're one result away. If we go into, you know, if we go into the last game of the season, one result away, then that's that. It's all still on, you know, everything's still on the line. I've said it before. They've, they've, they've shown themselves to not be bottlers necessarily, but they've not liked it when there's been somebody on the tail. Now last season they walked to hundred points because there was nobody challenging them, and they got knocked out of the European Cup early. This year they're going to be all out for that European Cup because that's what their owners want. They want a brand. Like the PSG owners, they want the European Cup, but that is the, the holy grail for them. So when that then when them games start coming in, listen, you've got a massive squad, and as you said, Adam, they've got they've got the Bruyne out now, and they've already got Bernardo Silva, and they're doing a brilliant job. So that it's not necessarily squad depth for them, but the fact that when you're playing them big Champions League games, and three days before that you've got a Premier League game, if you've got Bayern Munich or PSG on the Wednesday, the Sunday game before it, 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 it is taking something's taken away from that. Now Liverpool have shown that we can already do it. And listen, we, we're going to have the same issues as them doing that. But if they've got somebody on their tail, and as you said there, if they, last yesterday they turn on an hour, an hour in, they go, oh, here we go. And then you go, oh, they've done it again after we've just scored a 96th minute winner in our own derby where the ball's going out to play and their goal is kept in and it's bounced on the bar. You can talk yourself into thinking, this might just be their year here. It might actually be all falling in their favour. So City are going to have to deal with their expectations of the European Cup, their expectations in the league, but also the pressure of... Liverpool have done it again, another 1-0. How have they managed this again and again and again? And that's the type of thing that can knock people off the stride. Can indeed. Uh, looking ahead then to Bournemouth as Manchester City go to Chelsea that day. Um, Bournemouth are a good side. Dan, football is everywhere. Ake, Lerma, uh, Brooks, Wilson. They're a, they're a tidy team. It's, it's it's a good example of good some good squad building over a fair few years. But it is the end of a three-game week for them. And we're used to three-game weeks. And as we saw, I think, against Burnley, these sides often aren't. No, yeah, you're right. I think uh, I, I like Bournemouth. I like Eddie Howe. He's he's very much a manager who backs his players. Um, he's got them in a in a you know a very almost traditional four four two this season, and you know he encourages them to play high up the pitch. He get he likes to get them turning teams around transitions. He's he's a good manager. He's a good coach, and you can see that the coach well. Um, but 
they're not changing the team because fundamentally they haven't really got the squad to do it uh, and they're trying to amass points as quick as they can. Now, that can all factor into the fact that you know we, we make seven changes last night and we probably have got a body of evidence or, uh, you know, we, we've got it... We've got a justification that if we want to play the front three in the next three games, then we can. Well, given them the night off last night and, and provide manage fit, I think we've got enough to say that that's not unreasonable to ask of them. Um, for example, so I think I think Liverpool need to I think Liverpool need to to play behind Bournemouth's fullbacks, um, and we see them do that a lot last season to good effect. And I think we we. We get those triangles of play down their final third at the vitality last year, and, and we just open them up time and time again. And I think we'll be looking to do that on Saturday. And I think we need to pin them back. And, and obviously, you know, we're better in shape this season in terms of of not being turned around and, and not get not getting turned on and, and counted on in that way. Rarely, uh, I like the kickoff time for this. Uh, in that, I like it because no, I, I like it because I wouldn't want them at our five on a Saturday. It, it can be a tight little ground that one. They they like the game, but then they love they know the aim and the high point is for them realistically across the course of a season. It's to get one over on a big boy. That's what they're in it for. It's getting one over on a big boy, getting one over on a big boy on television. And I think you saw that for instance the way they start against Man United as and they start fast, they go at Man United. But I just think I think it suits us half twelve rather than a, a five thirty or a four o'clock Sunday. I want is I want us going there and them I still mean, being I, caught in bed. I don't like I don't like the uh, the, the half twelve. Half twelve's crap in general. But you'd rather be away. Yeah, I think because it's the home crowd that can't get up, isn't it? The 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 away the away crowd is always up uh, more than more than the home is. It's weird that you say that the one thing they want is the scalp of a of, of, of a of a big a big team because actually that's the one thing they haven't had this season. They've yep. played really well, and then every time they've played a good team, they've lost. Um, and it has taken a last minute goal from from United, and um, even I think they were one one against Arsenal until sort of quite deep in the in, in the second half, but. That that's that you know they, they, those are the times that I've watched them and to be honest I think that if if we're saying that we are as good or better than than those other top teams that have gone there and won, I watched the Arsenal game and 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 it, it just uh, the Arsenal managed to managed to just pin them back completely um, and in, in the same way that, that I think Dan was saying you know we we kind of did last season, so I, I think that we should have too much and it's only really the uh t- 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 league table pressure that's uh that's given me any doubts at all yeah well i'd say that you said they're under not changing the team very much and lewis cook's just been announced to be out for the rest of the season isn't he so he's done his, he? yeah he's done, he's, done his, his ACL. he's done his acl so he's out for the rest of the season it's a real shame yeah it is because he's a great player perfect time for us which is a little bit of a thing to say but listen we're football fans so here we are so but you yeah. could Things like this are the type of things that, that derail seasons for squads as small as theirs. But a quality player like that. Now, listen, if you'd ask me who would I rather take out of their team, I'd probably take Callum Wilson out up front before I take him. Just if we've got an old Gomez and Van Dijk at the back and you're all going to have Lovren or Matter, there's a there's a question there. Obviously, the other thing you can say is, well, Van Dijk can just deal with him on his own and that's fine. But I, I think the three games in a week, we talked about today at Man City when it comes to the big European games later on in the season. If teams like that are going to struggle with it, and that's our hope, you've got to think that a team like Bournemouth, three games in a, in a week, 
it, it should effectively take the legs out of them. And with it being the early game, I know it's only a couple of hours extra, but you'd imagine they're the ones that all the rest you could possibly get before facing Liverpool. They already yeah. used their X Factor card when they had Fraser on the bench that time. Anyway, well, he's, he's flying this season. I, 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 he, he is flying this season, but I'd, I'd rather have him starting than on the bench. <laughs> I, didn't I, know like, you mean. I didn't like him off the bench at half time. I didn't approve of it. No, no. I'm strongly <laughs> against it. Uh, certainly, he's better than Maradona. Yeah, uh, it's better to have your eye on him throughout. Um, pick me a team. I mean, you've all been, you all came yeah. in saying that I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with this one. I thought you were saying. As I, well, I just in. thought about it, and I don't think I am really. I think, I, I think I'm, um, I'm putting Robertson and Trent in. I think I'm putting Lovren in next to Van Dijk and Allison. I think I have taken. Uh, the, the only the only one I'm I'm, I'm not sure about is uh, is, is Milner or Genie. I think I put Genie in and play Cato and Henderson again, and then the front three. Okay. Um, what if Mane's not 100%? We've got Napoli on Tuesday, Adam. I'm, I'm putting that little kernel of doubt in, in your mind. We've got Napoli on Tuesday. Um, yeah, it, 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 does, it does change things if Mane's not 100%. I, I, can I cop out of it and say that I think he will be him and Robertson? I think we're, we're sort of rested injured. Um, I'd agree with that. But also, I think with Mane out... I just I feel like you'll, we'll eventually get to a point where Mane and Shaqiri are basically interchangeable players. And I think... Not necessarily for where they play on the pitch, but for the effect that they have on the team. Yeah. So I think I think if you can bring if you take Mane out and you put Jakiri in, I don't think you're losing out. You're not dropping levels, are you? Is what I'm saying. So I think the front three, and if you have just if you put Jakiri in in place of Mane, there, I'd be happy with that. The thing is, is where where Shaqiri ends up is where is better than where he starts the other day, isn't it? So I think Shaqiri might be answering the, your question about who's the who's the number ten. I just uh, I still haven't quite decided. You asked us a few weeks ago. And I keep thinking about it. Who's your best number ten in our, in our team? And you say Mane at the time, and I love Mane, but I think his weight of pass is what stops it from being him. Whereas I think Shakiri's got a really lovely weight of pass. I think it's currently more likely it's Sturridge. Sturridge is Sturridge, was, but you've got to really build it around Sturridge. If you're mm. going to do, you've got to make sure you're getting everything else absolutely spot on elsewhere on the pitch because he's not going to be able to drop 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 fifteen thirty thirty yards and help you out for a period. Which Sturridge when it game. works it works, but when it doesn't, it feels like it drops off so yeah. far, doesn't yeah. it? Whereas with the rest of them, it's different. So it's a gamble. Like, yeah, when, no, it pay, when, when it works, it pays off perfectly. But I don't know, Bournemouth away. I don't think that. The I wouldn't be doing it. I wouldn't be doing it. Sending it off. He's had ninety minutes, but Shakiri's also had ninety minutes, and he got seventy in the derby. Dan, pick me a team. I like Adam's team, providing everyone's fit. I think there's a there's a bit of a question mark around where Fabinho gets his next game if it's not tomorrow, because I don't think he plays against either Napoli or United if everyone's fit. Um, but that might just be a case of, well, we get you to Boxing Day and then I give you a run of, of two games in three or whatever. Um, Milner's another one. I think he'll want Milner for both Napoli and United. So maybe he sits Saturday out and you go with... Giving Kiter another goal and keeping his momentum I going. Got I that, think you've got to. That, that's the key thing I think in my, in my mind. That, that, that you've got it. You've got to do that after after because we we expected him to be that player, but he really hasn't been. He's been he's been nowhere near as good as no. as he was against Burnley, and we all kind of we were almost just started to hope he still had that in him. You've got to give him another go. I think. Yeah, yeah I do, and I think if you, you know, like I said before, if if we're looking to exploit the spaces they leave, then you know if you've got Kiter splitting to the left and and when Alden splitting to the right with. Henderson just dropping in there and 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 keeping the, the possession ticking over. Then I think that's that's a good balance. It's it's a small pitch, but uh, Bournemouth. It's really really compact, and you're going to need your footballers on there. I think so. I like that team. Um, and I'd, like I said before, I think you've got enough. Um, you've got enough rest in the front three from just giving them a midweek off to say I need you to go three, and then we'll look at it Boxing Day. That's that. I, I agree. It's a decent looking team, but I think you can make an argument for Fabinho, Henderson, Kite for Saturday and. 
for being your own kite and Henderson might look a little bit similar to some people, but I think if you left Henderson do the mirroring job whereby someone goes, he drops into there and just let Fabinho play the little five yards further forward and interact a little bit more with Kaita. I think you get, I don't know whether, I don't know whether you'd lose something for taking Genie out of there because he is such, he's so good on the ball. But I think Fabinho's eventually going to come and take over that role anyway. So now's as good a time as any to try it. Is there an argument to just give Wijnaldum the full week off? Well, that's he's played, he's played so much footy and, and including for Holland which we keep not talking about in that some of them have had easier international experiences than Wijnaldum Wijnaldum's been getting full 90s and he's been getting them against good opponents and with with Holland with something to prove I just sort of feel as though like I, I think of all of them he's the one who so far this season has got the most miles on the clock but yeah that, well, that makes it even more sense to, to play that team then doesn't it and put Henderson next to Fabinho the thing with that is it's got the potential to if it doesn't go well to look very one-paced and want very pedestrian. But with Kaita being in there, and if he does give us that magic spark that we're all waiting for him to come, and I think we all believe that that is going to come at some point, I think if we put him in there with them two, I think it'll work. And your full-backs can get beyond as well. Well, which these do inevitably, don't they? He might also have an idea of Shakiri for the last half an hour in both the Napoli and United okay, game. Yeah. So he might he might just those. give him this as a, as, you know, I'm going to take it out those two games and need you to go again here. Because um, again, you know, I don't think he'll want to give him three games off. But it's not a bad problem to have now. You know, we've been we've been scratching our facades at this period over the last few years, and now you know we we certainly got enough options going going forward. Excellent stuff, indeed. Uh, prediction? Uh, I think we'll win two nil, two one. Um, yeah, two one. Two one. Uh, it's been your weekend. Uh, thank you to everyone coming right the way through the show. Josh Sexton, uh, John Arnisa, uh, Jackie McCassie, uh, and Heather Carroll, and obviously to the room here, Adam Melia, uh, Dan Morgan, and Kev Walsh. Liverpool got some business to do uh, up against Bournemouth this weekend, and then some business to do against Napoli, and then some business to do against Manchester United, and then some business to do against Wolves. You get the drift. It's not stopping. Sports Social Podcast Network.